0: And then Hogan says this phrase again with the weirdest tag at the end of it, where Hogan says, I'm going to lay the smackdown on his crippled ass NWO style for life. Like, what the hell does that mean? What is NWO style for life? Welcome to the podcast launch of DM1 Vintage Wrestling Reviews. It is destiny that the very first episode of Monday Night Raw I'm talking about is the episode of Raw that I mentioned in the trailer for this very podcast. Welcome to the series debut of Who Booked This, the show where I deep dive into the wrestling television archives and we watch a show of a particular interest like this week it's monday night raw from february 18th 2002 the night hulk hogan ran over the rock i do want to say before we get started the podcast for now will be very heavy on raw episodes because that's really the most amount of content that has been put onto peacock For now, hopefully, like they said, by SummerSlam, there will be more content available that's just not Monday Night Raw. This is episode 456 of the flagship show of the WWF at the time, or season 10, episode 7, according to uh, Peacock. Peacock also has the date of this episode wrong. It says uh, February 28th. This is February 18th. Uh, I almost got upset because they didn't have this episode, and then I realized that the date was wrong. We are live from Chicago, Illinois, at the much-respected All-State Arena. The attendance for this show was just under 14,000 at 13,967, and the TV rating was a 4.7. We are one night removed from No Way Out, and we are just four weeks away from WrestleMania 18. WrestleMania was in the middle of March this time around. I don't like that there's something that feels weird about the biggest show of the year being in the middle of a month it's only happened a few times I know it happened again two years later for Wrestlemania 20 I don't think it's happened more times than that Wrestlemania being in late March or early April you know between like March 26th and like April 7th that's the perfect time for for Wrestlemania anything before or later than that just feels weird Of course, again, last night was No Way Out 2002 where we saw the return of Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash as the New World Order made their way to the World Wrestling Federation. Of course, they could not be a part of the invasion angle that took up most of 2001 because they still had massive AOL Time Warner contracts that the WWF was not going to pay out. And I was able to look up exactly what these contracts look like. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash both of their contracts expired in 2001 so they were set for the rest of the year after WWE had bought out WCW Hulk Hogan though his contract was still available until May of this year so he actually I'm assuming got bought out for the final three months of his contract to come to back to the WWF a little bit earlier than his contract would have expired So that was kind of interesting. If you ever wanted to know exactly what these contracts were all about and why there are only so many people who were able to come over for the invasion storyline, that's why. A lot of people were getting paid crazy money and for extended deals from AOL Time Warner, and Vince McMahon was just not going to pay out a lot of these people's deals. So Hogan, Hall, Nash... Flair, even though he, you know, would show up the day after the uh, invasion wrapped up. Scott Steiner, he shows up at the end of uh, November of this year. Even someone like Rey Mysterio, who we don't see until uh, August of this year, he's also one of those people who, you know, did not come over to, to the WWF for the invasion. He stuck out his AOL Time Warner uh, contract. He made sure that he got paid whether he was going to work or not. Uh, I also didn't realize this until after I got done with my notes for this show, but for the first six months of 2002, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Triple H were all babyfaces at the same time, which seems unheard of. And if WWE hadn't turned uh, Hogan so quickly after WrestleMania 18, of course, they, they get the match with The Rock, in Toronto, the Toronto crowd just eats Hogan up, and it causes them to completely change course with what they were wanting to do with the NWO. We could have gotten a dream team, really, of Stone Cold, The Rock, and Triple H against Hogan, Hall, and Nash of the NWO in what would have been a gigantic six-man tag match. Like it could have been, like the main event of a, of Backlash that year. Even with Triple H as champion, if if he were to, you know, go on and beat Jericho like he did. And, you know, again, Austin doesn't walk out after WrestleMania and they don't turn Hogan so quickly. That would have been a massive match to do. And I, I never even thought about how strange that is, how an anomaly it is that, you know, those three guys who really, you know, were a cornerstone of the company in like you know late 90s basically throughout the entire attitude era. Those three were baby faces at the same time, Austin rock and Triple H It would have been really fantastic. This show starts with my probably my all-time favorite signature, the the prototypical attitude era one not yet the the globe, the entertainment uh, signature. So that, that's a lot of fun and we're starting off hot. no intro, no pyro. Glass shatters. It's Steve Austin. Place is packed, and they are ready to see Steve Austin. Jr. Immediately, as the show gets on the air, as Austin's walking down the ramp, is talking about how Stone Cold was screwed last night by the NWO. Austin had a uh, undisputed, uh, excuse me, an undisputed title shot at Chris Jericho last night. He got that taken away from him by the NWO. He got beat up by Hogan, Hall, and Nash. And Scott Hall even branded him with the NWO spray paint. Jhar says that Austin's dream of being WWF champion again was figuratively raped by the NWO. And I'm almost positive that he says raped. Even though if you put on the subtitles on Peacock, it says break, but that doesn't necessarily make sense. And it sounds like he says rape. So, odd choice words there from JR and he just continues to go on and on about how the NWO screwed over Austin as Austin's making his way into the ring Uh, stone cold grabs his cooler of Steve Weiser's he says I'm a little pissed off I take that back I'm really pissed off Austin says he had Jericho beat what chants are in full effect um, as it is again February 2002 the what chants have been around for about six months at this point but Austin's calling out the NWO Rock House plays the most notable NWO music, and here comes Hogan, Hall, and Nash. And I got to say this, despite how bad the NWO uh, was in WWE, this whole run in 2002 was completely useless, basically. I loved how uh, on TV, the NWO always had a black and white filter on the screen, so every time they were on screen and their music was playing, there would be the black and white filter that we would you know, uh, have a, a custom to, to the NWO. But then when they would switch the camera over to uh, their opponents or somebody in the ring, the, the filter wouldn't be on, but you would see the, the flashing strobe lights. I always thought that was a, a, a nice little touch. Austin says that he will prove that he is the last son of a bitch that they want to mess with. But then the NWO decide to back off. Uh, Austin calls them chicken shits, and to my surprise, it wasn't edited on Peacock. I figured it would have been. But Stone Cold says that he isn't leaving the ring until he gets a piece of that NWO ass. He said he's got all night and two cases of beer. We cut to commercial. Uh, But before we come back, a graphic appears that says four weeks before WrestleMania 18 uh, with Tearaway by Drowning Pool playing. I love that song. It's probably my favorite Drowning Pool song, even over bodies. And oddly enough, this uh, isn't edited off Peacock as well. I figured licensed music, they're probably not going to be able to use it anymore. uh, But it's on Peacock for whatever reason. We come back and Stone Cold is in fact still in the ring. He said he's going on strike. I would love to know what Austin said while the arena was dark during the commercial break. I'm sure uh, just fantastic stuff that he was doing, just riling up the crowd. Austin is talking on the live mic while JR and King are explaining what's going on, what's been happening for the first 10 minutes of the show. Kurt Angle's music hits, and he has security. And the you suck chants are in their infancy here. And as Angle's making his way down to the ring, we get joint you suck what chants. So that was kind of cool. Austin is throwing beer cans at Angle. Uh, Angle says that Austin blew it and No Way Out. I don't recognize any of the working security. One of them does look like Jay Bradley, though, so there's that. I believe Jay is a native of Chicago, so that would make sense. Angle says that the security are off-duty cops, and if Austin hits them, he's going to jail. Austin is throwing full beer cans that he opens beforehand from the ring to the rampway where Angle is. Angle is badgering Austin to leave the ring. Austin flips Angle off. Stone Cold does not give a damn about anything Kurt Angle is saying. Angle says that he is going to uh, make his announcement anyway. Uh, he was talking about an announcement as he was coming down to the ring. Uh, he, he tells the officers at ease and all Stone Cold wants is attention. So basically trying to null and void anything that Austin is, is trying to do, trying to threaten uh, the show basically. Angle says he will be going to WrestleMania due to, due to beating Triple H uh, last night at No Way Out, and uh, he will win the undisputed championship because if anybody deserves it, it is him. Austin tackles Angle, and the off-duty cops swarm Austin. Austin decks one of them. Angle uh, says that Austin is going to jail, and he's going to WrestleMania. The off-duty cop that looks like Jay Bradley is the one who got popped by Austin, so I think I'm right. He... the he might be the worker and it might even be Jay Bradley. I think it would even be a, a young Jay Bradley, but that's how we go off the air for a second commercial break. And when we come back, we get a replay of what just happened because this was something that they love to do. I don't even know if they do that as much anymore where they will come back from commercial and have like an immediate replay of what, you know, just happened, especially if it was like a segment or something. Um, but we come back and the video is paused on angle with this derp face is the best way I can describe it. And it's fantastic. And I got a chuckle out of it because it was on screen for at least 10 seconds while Jr. was uh, explaining to us what was going on. But we get back and Austin is being hauled off to jail during the break. The N.W.O. appeared to mess with Austin because, of course, they were. The Hardys and Lita come out. And after about 15 minutes of TV time, we get our first match. Uh, We're also told that Raw is brought to us by NikeRunning.com, stacker two, the world's strongest fat burner, and truth. But not our truth. uh, Different truth. The uh, Hardys are taking on Christian and Lance Storm. JR wanted to see Austin kick the NWO's asses, so he doesn't really care that this match is happening, really. King says that Austin was drunk when he came out here, which is the only reason why he would want to fight the NWO, or at least fight all three guys. Matches is going on, of course. Hardy's hit, Poetry in Motion. Jeff dropkicks Christian off the apron, and Christian just splatted on the floor. That was kind of funny. Jeff goes for Whisper in the Wind. Christian gets back up and sweeps Jeff's legs out. He guts himself on the turnbuckle. We get told that Jeff has busted ribs from a 3D on the floor last night from the Dudleys at No Way Out. Both of these teams, plus the Dudleys, were a part of a uh, tag team turmoil for the number one contendership to the tag team titles. Uh, Christian of course now is working over the ribs uh, I don't know if this was done on purpose but storm parried a punch with a drop toe hold like I believe it was he was in the ring with Jeff and Jeff you know goes to throw a right hand and he he whiffs it basically but at the same time storm makes sure he makes sure he drops down and hits a, a drop toe hold for you know defense turning into offense I thought that was kind of cool. JR calls uh, Christian's falling reverse DDT the unprettier. I remember him doing this a lot at this time, and I do not know why, because it would happen almost every time. Like, I even noticed it. I was like, no, like, as a kid, like, that's not the unprettier. Why does he keep doing that? Lita hits a hurricane on uh, Storm on the floor, uh, actually off of the steps. And then uh, the Hardys hit the Twist of Fate and Swanton combo. And they get the win. Nothing more to it. Uh, The crowd was hot for the Hardys and Lita. The men loved Lita. The women loved Matt and Jeff. It's always fun seeing them. They're one of my favorite tag teams, one of my favorite trios as a kid, and even still today. Uh, We go backstage where we see Stephanie McMahon, and she is joined by Kurt Angle. Stephanie congratulates him on getting uh, Austin arrested and beating Triple H last night. Ric Flair comes in and says, Vince's plan was genius about making Stephanie the special referee to the Angle Triple H match last night. And basically, it was Stephanie who caused Triple H to lose his match and lose the shot that he had at WrestleMania. But Flair says he can make the same match, because at this time, Flair and Vince are joint owners of the WWF, So anything that Vince can do, Flair can also do. So he makes a rematch between Kurt Angle and Triple H for the main event tonight. And he says if Stephanie gets involved in any way, Triple H will be going to WrestleMania like he was supposed to when he won the Warrior Rumble back in January. We get an outside shot of the All-State Arena. I love these shots of the building. They're always so cool. I love seeing them. They would do it on TV. They do it on pay-per-view. I always love when they did stuff like that. The Undertaker is seen walking backstage, and he asks for Flair's office. He starts yelling at the guy he's talking to. He's like, is that so hard? Damn, after he finally gets his answer on where Flair is. There's a kid behind Jr. and King who keeps mouthing hi, mom, to the camera. We got a, a shot on Jr. and King at the commentary table, so you see all the front row uh, people. I can imagine those tickets are probably crazy expensive because they're almost guaranteed to be in... The shot and be on live tv because they're right behind the commentators but for whatever reason i thought the kid looked like uh, the brother from american history x i guess it's uh, is it edward norton's brother i believe i just thought he looked like uh looked like him i thought it was funny um we go back into flair's office the undertaker barges in flair stands up immediately and puts his fists up like he's ready to fight the undertaker taker goes you think i'm gonna kick your ass i ought to kick your ass uh taker is pissed that flair hit him with a pipe and no way out and cost uh taker his match with the rock uh but undertaker challenges rick flair to a match at wrestlemania flair says he doesn't want to wrestle undertaker he's an owner now but taker says he's going to find a way to change his mind and i think i know what undertaker does to change his mind and i think i have it apart uh as one of my uh Potential reviews that I've got on this gigantic list of shows I plan on reviewing. Hopefully we get to that pretty soon. Uh, We get a WrestleMania moment flashback brought to us by Sour Skittles. It's Kane hitting Pete Rose with the Tombstone in 1998, WrestleMania 14 in Boston. Uh, The NWO is leaving the building because Austin's going to jail, so their work is done. Uh, Nash says he needs a jacket. Hogan and Hall have leather jackets on, and Nash is in a sleeveless shirt. It's Chicago in February. No shit. Kevin Nash needs a jacket. Uh, Hall asks if the boys want uh, sushi. Hogan says no. He knows the spot. But before Hogan gets in the car, he tells Hall and Nash to go on without him. He's got some personal business to take care of. Hogan goes to slap the window that Hall is, is sitting next to. I don't know if he was expecting the window to be up or for Hall to high-five him, but it looks hilarious that Hogan just completely misses the space that he's trying to hit. I don't know what was going on there. But either way, we go back to the ring where Mr. Perfect is out next as we get our second match of the night. Uh, Perfect says that it's great to be back in the WWF and in Chicago. He says it's basically uh, his backyard. He's from Minneapolis, Minnesota not too far of a difference between those two cities. He mentions Brian Erlacher in the crowd. Uh Erlacher played for the Chicago Bears at this time. Perfect uh, says that the Bears season was almost a perfect season, but they biffed it in the playoffs and could not make it to the Super Bowl. Flair say, or excuse me, Perfect says he never loses. And then Kane comes out, Pyro and everything. At this point, uh Kane still has the original mask, but he's got the sleeveless jumpsuit. For some reason, it still kind of looks weird to me, that combination. But he did have it for a little bit of time. There is smoke in the arena after Kane's pyro. There's so much smoke. And I don't understand why. Because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Kane did like the whole whole setup. The pyro at the top of the stage. The pyro uh, in the turnbuckles. But it doesn't seem to phase the crowd at all. They don't care. Kane hits the flying clothesline. He fumbles the chokeslam for a little bit, but gets it on the second try. Uh, Kane wins in quick affair. Short match, short, short, sweet, made Mr. Perfect look like an idiot because he's saying he never loses, but Kane gets the job done. After this, Hulk Hogan is seen coming back down to the ring uh, after commercial and promotion for the Triple H Kurt Angle main event. The NWO's music hits, and here comes Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Despite being a heel, the Chicago crowd does cheer Hogan. Hogan says it feels great to be back. Uh, The WWF made Hulk Hogan a legend. Hogan says he and the fans have been through a lot. They fought the Russians. They fought the monsters. They took Andre the Giant, God bless his soul, and slammed him. Uh, JR chimes in and says, what an exaggeration, 700 pounds. Jeez. JR subtly shooting there. Hogan says something happened, and the fans turned on him. The fans are giving Hogan the what treatment, and Hogan goes, you're going to do, in the middle of them saying what? I lost my shit when he said this. He said it so casually, um, so perfect. I don't think anybody paid attention to it. Uh, he says the fans drove him out of the WWF. Hogan says it's like what Chicago did to Michael Jordan. Uh, Hogan has one thing he wants to say. You can kiss my ass. Uh, He's the reason why they're here. He's the reason why wrestling is as big as it is. No one is a bigger icon than he is. No one has done the things that Hulk Hogan has. He's the biggest star, past or present, in the pro wrestling business. And then The Rock's music hits. And it was surprisingly quiet. I expected the crowd to pop louder. Were they expecting Austin uh, industry pundits can say what they will, but I don't think Rock versus Hogan was the match to make at WrestleMania 18. Kind of jumping ahead of myself, but you already know what happens here. We all know that it should have been Austin versus Hogan. You know, Austin has his reasons for why he didn't think the match with Hogan would have been good. Look, you see what Rock and Hogan would go to do in four weeks at WrestleMania 18? By no means is it a Matt Classic. But it's still very much remembered for the atmosphere that it created. And I can't say that Austin wouldn't have been able to do do the same thing with Hogan. But it is what it is. King says that Hogan's arms are as big as Rock's legs. JR says, who cares? Uh, Who would have thought they would have ever seen Hogan and Rock in the same ring? That's what Rock started to say. Hogan agrees with Rock. uh, Excuse me. Rock agrees with Hogan on some things. Does Hogan actually think the fans drove him out of the WWF? Rock hits uh, Hogan with uh, the, it doesn't matter what you think. Rock says the fans believed in Hogan and so did the Rock. Rock says the fans listened to Hogan for years, talking about the take your vitamins, say your prayers, and then they ran to the toilet and took a Hulk of crap. Uh, Rock says Hogan is a legend, an icon, and quite possibly the best ever. He says... You talk about headlining, main eventing, WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. Well, Hulk Hogan, The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? JR screams out, oh my God. We get the stare down. It's like time has stood still. Hogan and The Rock turn back and forth to the crowd opposite ways. It's a really nice shot. Uh, We get joint Rocky and Hogan chants. Hogan says they have a phrase for guys like The Rock, and it's called Flavor of the Month. Uh, Rock interrupts Hogan and says yes or no after Hogan just kept going on and on, avoiding the question. Rock says this is the fantasy match that will answer the question on who is the absolute best ever. Rock says maybe it's up to the people to decide. He asks the crowd. They get a big ovation for that. Rock cups his ear like, Hogan, yes or no. JR says, make up your damn mind and get out of the ring. Hogan finally says, yes. He says, the fans are right, and it'll be a pleasure kicking the Rock's ass at WrestleMania. And then he says, and by the way, Rock, good luck, because you're going to need it. Hogan goes to walk away, but Rock keeps grip of the handshake that they had right after Hogan had said yes. Rock says, not as much as you, brother. And hits him with the rock bottom. And it is honestly the slowest, like, jerking reaction. You know, like when Rock would ever pull someone in, he would just throw their arm behind him and, you know, onto his shoulder. The slowest motion possible for Hogan. He could not have been any slower in throwing his, you know, throwing Hogan's arm over his own shoulder. Uh, as Rock is leaving the ring, Hall and Nash attack him. Turns out maybe they didn't leave after all. It was uh, all a. Uh, It was a ploy. It was all a sneak attack in in disguise. Hogan starts whipping Rock with the weightlifting belt. Hogan hits Rock with the, or excuse me, Hall, rather, hits Rock with the outsider's edge. Nash hits the jackknife. Uh, Hall and Nash pick up a lifeless Rock. Hogan grabs a hammer uh, from a toolbox under the ring and pops Rock in the back of the head with it. He drops the leg and covers Hogan, uh, or excuse me, covers Rock. Paul counts the three, even the fans are counting along with that Phantom three count. Hogan then goes and grabs the spray paint and brands the Rock with the NWO. Hogan even adds a two suite to the back of Rock, which I'm surprised he even pulled that off. EMTs go to help uh, Rock get out of the ring, and Rock is selling this beat down so well. He's looking like he's half dead, doing really well with this. Uh, we go to a break, and when we come back, Rock is being rushed into an ambulance. As the ambulance uh, is exiting the parking lot, a diesel truck blocks them. How ironic because NWO member Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan's in a diesel truck. Uh, Hogan's driving the truck, Hall and Nash block the ambulance from the back end in their car. And the NWO start chaining the ambulance uh, shut. They're also, you know, cracking it with tire irons and, you know, ball bats and other sorts of, uh, weapons. And, uh, at it, at several points during this, you hear Hogan in the background saying that he's going to lay the smackdown on Rock's crippled ass. He says this at least three or four times before they finish. You know, like chaining the the ambulance shut, and then Hogan says this phrase again with the weirdest tag at the end of it, where Hogan says, "I'm going to lay the smackdown on his crippled ass, NWO style for life." Like, what the hell does that mean? What is NWO style for life? Very odd choice of words from Hogan. But Hogan takes off into the diesel truck. Once again, says that he's going to run over, or excuse me, he's going to cripple the Rock's, uh, sorry, he's going to lay the smackdown on Rock's crippled ass. There we go. And T-bones the ambulance three times. The side of the ambulance is completely pushed in. Uh, And then finally, our three deviants look inside the ambulance and see what they've done to Rock, and then they quickly run away. Uh, This moment would be forever immortalized as it is a cutscene in the season mode of SmackDown Shut Your Mouth, uh, the game that would have come out just a few months after uh, all of this would have taken place. Uh, EMTs have stormed the scene trying to find a way to get the Rock uh, help. King says uh, there are things that happen in wrestling and there are things that happen in real life and this is bad. JR says the audacity, the unmitigated gall of three of the lowest life individuals I have ever witnessed. And then King uh, reiterates his point from earlier about what happens in the ring and in real life. So what do you do after this horrendous act from Three Hills on one of the biggest baby faces in the company? You send out the Godfather. And Godfather's hose look all shook up during uh, what they've, from what they've just seen, uh, but Godfather tells them that it'll be okay. And you would think the Godfather would be a little more, uh, a little more upset about what has happened to his former nation teammate, but no, Godfather's got his hose and he's in Chicago. So there you go. Uh, Godfather will be taking on Booker T, and uh, Jr. called the parking lot a crime scene after what the NWO did to the Rock. I like the somber tone Jr. and King had in their voices to sell a heinous act. But I always think about Jr. having to tell the pay-per-view audience that Owen Hart had passed away back in 1999. And you always end up looking for similarities when they end up doing stuff like this. And it Jr. having to tell the live crowd and have that, you know, this is real voice um, always ends up not sticking the same way when it's clearly you know an angle uh, on tv to sell you know to sell you on whatever and at this point would have been hogan and rocket wrestlemania so it's 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 a weird dichotomy they put themselves in after that incident um Ho- king says that this is how the nwo killed wcw by taking the spotlight for themselves there's a lot of things that killed wcw and it wasn't I mean, you could say that it was the NWO taking the spotlight. It also had a lot to do with just booking in general. But, hey, they're trying to sell that the NWO is a cancer in pro wrestling. So, whatever. Anyway, back to the match because they weren't paying attention to it either. So, why should I? Uh, Godfather gets mad that the hoes aren't excited for him in this match because he's actually got some, some offense put together. He turns around and gets hit with a Harlem sidekick and gets beat for absolutely... You know, he looks like a chump. Booker T hasn't beat anybody with a Harlem sidekick since, what, 1997? But, yeah, Booker wins in a filler match to prep us for the rest of this saga in the parking lot. You know, this incident literally takes up um, in and out of, you know, matches for the entire second hour. The Rock Hogan segment um, took place at the end of of hour one. So this is what took us uh, throughout the rest of the show into hour two Uh, The police show up and assist the fire department and the EMTs pry the mangled door of the ambulance shut. We cut to a break again. Uh, We come back to the boot of the week brought to us by Lugs. It's from No Way Out last night. uh, It's the finals of the tag team turmoil, which sees the APA, Farouk, and Bradshaw beat Billy and Chuck after Bradshaw ruins Billy with a clothesline from hell. Uh, King tells us that the camera crew has been told to leave the scene due to a potential fire. Uh, We could hear... All of the first responders say that there's a gas leak in the ambulance from you know being rammed three times by a, a semi truck. Um, again, I I do love the selling of this angle. They're really making it out to be a big deal, and it you know it should be treated as such because it was it was pretty it was a pretty crazy angle that they decided to do here. Uh, Gold Dust is out next. Uh, he returned to the WWF back in uh, back at the Royal Rumble, rather, and he fought Rob Van Dam last night at No Way Out. He's teaming with William Regal to take on the aforementioned RVD and Edge. Uh, as RVD is walking down, uh, you see concern on his face, presumably about the Rock situation. So they are laying it on thick with this angle. And I, like I said, I love it. I like the way that they did it, and I like that there were at least other people in the segments after that were concerned for rocks health and safety. And I, don't, I, I liked it because you don't get to see it all that much. You never get to see that much continuity uh, and overlapping between everybody. You know, usually what happens to the rock is only going to affect the rock. But this time, you know, they made it seemingly affect everybody for a certain, you know, certain ways. Uh, Edge comes out and it's Hey My Durango Number 95 It's no, Never Gonna Stop by Rob Zombie I got chills when the song came on And I thought it would have been edited out too uh, The song is one of my favorite Rob Zombie songs So again Another licensed song that Is still on Peacock for whatever reason So the we got a, Again we got a tag team match It's RVD and Edge, Goldust and William Regal The match starts with all four guys in the ring They brawl for a little bit uh, this match is pitting uh, two matches from No Way Out into one match, uh, as Regal beat uh, Edge to retain the Intercontinental Title last night. Uh, at one point, Edge gets tagged in, and you hear squeals from all the ladies in the crowd. Edge very much had, you know, like that that Hardy's pop, where all the females just died over Edge every time he came out. Uh, Edge hits the spear on Regal and then makes Regal tap to the Educator, which I didn't think that Edge was using this move at that time. I figured that would have been, uh, he would start using that after he came back in 2004 from the broken neck, but I was surprised. Uh, Every match so far tonight has been less than five minutes, and this was no different. This match, again, not really anything going on. RVD and Edge, they get nice pops because they're super over his baby faces, including Edge, And Edge has a gigantic uh, female contingency of fans. So there's that. Uh, We go back to the parking lot again. uh, Rock is in a new ambulance and he's getting uh, taken to the hospital. We are given another replay of what happened to the Rock. Like we didn't just see this 30 minutes ago. Um, And like we haven't been talking about it for the last 30 minutes. But hey, laying it on thick and I can't be upset again because it was a good angle. Uh, speaking of Angle, Kurt Angle is being interviewed backstage by Michael Cole. I'm sorry. I had to. It kind of fell in my lap. Um, anyway, Cole asks if uh, Angle will be able to concentrate after what has happened tonight. Angle says he doesn't know. Uh, it's, it's disgusting what has happened. The fact that Ric Flair made this match between himself and Triple H tonight and that Stephanie can't be involved. Cole says he's talking about The Rock. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I feel bad. But doesn't have a title shot at WrestleMania. I do. So, of course, Kurt Angle cares not about The Rock and the fact that he may be on life support after this. He's got to defend his title shot that he basically stole from another guy in another match tonight. So, we get down to the ring. It is main event time. And the current undisputed WWF champion, Chris Jericho, is on his way to join the King and Jim Ross for tonight's main event. Kurt Angle is defending his WrestleMania title shot against Triple H in a rematch from last night. Uh, you see Jericho all propped up in, in, in his chair staring over at, at JR. He goes, Jericho beat Austin. What? Jericho beat Austin. What? Jericho beat Austin. What? And of course, he's laughing because of course, he, he knows what he did. He knows and he's going to stick it in everybody's faces. He beat Steve Austin once again. Last night at No Mercy, or excuse me, at No Way Out, uh, when Angle comes out, his name bar pops up and it has the uh, the WWF KurtAngle uh, URL on it. I remember the uh, the personal websites the WWE made for the talent. It was like all obviously like all in kayfabe. It was just all their their character work, but it was fun. Like that was an interesting time because like everybody had one. I remember you know, Austin had one. Rock, Taker, The Hardys, Angle, Triple H. It was, it was fun. I don't remember exactly what they were, but I do remember being on a computer at that time and like looking that stuff up. I just can't remember what was on it. We get told that WrestleMania 18 is brought to us by Sour Skittles. Angle attacks Triple H before Triple H can even spit the water. He gets his whole entrance, but as soon as he gets on the apron, Triple H can't spit his water. So... Angle had to take all that from us. He's taken everything from us. He got Austin uh arrested, and now he's preventing Triple H from spitting the water. And, you know, during this whole the whole match, uh Jerry Lawler is singing Jericho's praises. JR says, we don't have all night, we have to be off the air by midnight. God, please don't let that happen. I don't remember Raw ever running like that late. I do remember there was one time Raw went like 30 minutes over, but never like two hours. I'm sure maybe that's what they like had in the building, because they would love to do dark mat, you know, dark stuff, um, while the cameras were off. But good lord, I hope they would never go on until midnight. Uh, and because of this, Jericho and Jr are just going back and forth on commentary. Jericho's gloating about beating, uh, being beating Stone Cold, and Jr keeps mentioning that the NWO helped him. There's a commotion in the crowd that has everybody not paying attention to the match you keep seeing everybody opposite hard camp uh look up to what would be our right of the screen something was going on who knows probably some drunken people trying to fight each other who knows uh, jericho is not playing favorites though in this match because he's actually a smart heel he knows that both guys are gunning for his belts uh angle jawjacks with jericho and pops triple h with a big gold belt while the referee wasn't looking he was talking to jericho trying to calm jericho down angle hits his trio german suplexes the straps come down and angle locks in the ankle lock this match has lasted longer than nearly every other match combined during this whole show but it's triple h and kurt angle and plus we've got like 20 minutes of austin starting the show that went through two commercial breaks we got Hogan and Rock, which also went like another 10 minutes straight, I think, maybe even more, plus all of the updates throughout the entire second hour. So, hey, it it makes sense to a, to a fault. Uh, eventually, Triple H does hit the pedigree, and he gets his title match back for WrestleMania. It will be Triple H versus Chris Jericho. And honestly, I wish they had added... Uh, or rather, I wish they hadn't have made the stipulation where Stephanie can't get involved because I think it would have added more heat if Stephanie continued to try to screw Triple H over. But, you know, Triple H just hit Angle with one pedigree, you know, 12 minutes in, and, and that was it. It's just kind of, it was happening, and then it just stopped all of a sudden. Triple H just beat Kurt Angle. But, however, uh, overall the match was good. It was a fun TV match, you know, for what it was. Uh, The show ends with Jericho holding up the Big Eagle and Big Gold belts that represent the Undisputed Championship. Uh, As he and Triple H stare each other down, JR hypes the match for WrestleMania, and we fade to black. And that is it. Monday Night Raw from February 18th, 2002. The show remembered uh, for the night that Hulk Hogan Uh, laid the SmackDown on The Rock's crippled-ass NWO style for life, Um, which, of course, again, set up their match for WrestleMania 18. Um, Stone Cold would get his revenge on the NWO, or at least Scott Hall, for um, costing him his match at No Way Out um, and for agging on the fact that he would get arrested. And it would happen as early as the very next SmackDown, which... Also happens to be a show that I have on my list of shows, and I can't wait to get there. So long as they get put on Peacock relatively soon, we can talk about it relatively soon. So I want to uh, go ahead and put a bow on this. Like I said, I, I wish uh, this you know this is right after No Way Out, and I wish we had more than four weeks to prep for WrestleMania, an extra two or three weeks would have been great would have put you know would have been able to put more stuff on Hogan and rock would have been able to put more stuff on what would eventually be Austin and Hall uh we wouldn't have had the the I guess we would have had more to do with triple H and Jericho or if they just didn't do the the angle stuff at no way out and on this episode of raw I, I think what really would irritate me the most about the fact that there wasn't a lot of time in between No Way Out and WrestleMania is that this whole angle that they did with Rock, I'm almost sure gets nullified in like two weeks because Rock comes back and he is showing absolutely no uh, adverse effects from this beat down. He got bashed in the back of the head with a hammer. He got, you know, crushed presumably by uh, a, a semi in an ambulance. I'm almost positive. He, he comes back in two weeks and acts like nothing ever happened because they do that handicap match where it's Rock and Austin against the NWO. Again, leading up to what I said at the beginning of this, not realizing that Austin, Rock, and Triple H were all babyfaces, and we could have got a six-man tag between the three of them and the NWO at some point, and it would have been massive. Like I said, they could have made that a pay-per-view main event, even with Triple H as champion, and I think it would have been crazy money. It would have been like what the NWO was for WCW and you get like the dream team of WCW uh, at, at that, you know, to go back to like the hostile takeover match in at bash of the beach 96 where, you know, it was, it was uh, Luger sting and Savage and you would always get, you know, as the NWO would continue to march forward, you would always get these dream teams in a way where, you know, people that you would love to see team up, but they're singles guys. So they don't necessarily do that kind of stuff they would team up to try to take out the nwo. We could have gotten that with Austin, Rock and Triple H if they just hadn't pulled the trigger so quickly on uh, Hogan's babyface turn right after WrestleMania. So uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that was kind of left off the table for uh the nwo's return run here in the WWF in 2002 because by July Vince says the NWO was done for live on air, which I don't think there's ever been a breakup like that before um, because the NWO was ill-fated from the start. The lethal dose of poison um, just didn't end up doing really anything. Uh, It did give Hulk Hogan a comeback run where he completely ruined Triple H's world title win by taking the belt from him uh, the very next month and then dropping it to the undertaker the month after that. So what was the point of dropping of having triple H drop the belt? Then he definitely shouldn't have, but Vince had Hogan fever. Hulkamania had run wild again, but then we realized now it was just lightning in a bottle in Toronto and they couldn't replicate that with anybody else after WrestleMania. But I want to thank you all for joining me here for the debut episode of who booked this You can expect more episodes each and every Thursday here on DM1. I have been Bradley. Thank you. I hope to see you soon. Catch you later, guys.